Hi everyone, it's Harmon. You've tuned into another Comedy History 101 episode. Today we are going to bring you another classic comedy trope and its history. Yes, the history of the hook. As in, give him the hook. That sounds exciting. But before we jump into the episode, July 10th through the 14th, I'll be producing a five-day storytelling festival at the Crane Theater in the Lower East Side. The festival's called Tailfest, a festival of storytelling. Yes, featuring the best storytelling shows in New York City, all in one festival. And without further ado... Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101. Okay. You need any quarters? No, why would I need any quarters? Well, since you got your brain washed, I thought you might want to get it dry. Sit <laughs> <laughs> man, get him out of here. Get, 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 get. <laughs> Wait, that boy! Wait, that boy! <laughs> <laughs> The Sandman. It's the, it's the, it's it's a little turl the little uh, twist he does at the end that makes it. Yeah. So what you just heard there was a clip from Saturday Night Live with Chris Rock. What character was he doing uh, uh, on Saturday Night Live there? Uh, that was Nat X, the host yeah. of The Dark Side. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a, a, kind of a, a, a David Letterman kind of parody show. Yeah, and what, what what you just heard and we saw is that a guest on that axe is being chased off by the Sandman, which leads us into our episode today of Comedy History 101. Where we school you in comedy. I, of course, am always uh, Harmon Leon with me, of course, Scott Colonico. Scott, how are you? Harmon, I'm doing great. It's summer's here, and Berlin is the sun is out. Everyone's drinking beer. It's all good. Ah, as opposed to the other times of the year where they just drink beer. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, the, and the sun is in. Um, so, so Scott, tell us, tell us sort of the significance of of, of the Sandman, which was played by Chris Farley in that sketch, which will seamlessly lead us into the segue into today's episode. Okay, well, I mean, I actually didn't really know much. The, the, the first time you see the sketch, it's just um, Chris Rock as that X says, Say, man, get this guy out of here. And Chris Farley emerges from the wings dressed in a clown outfit and, with a broom and sweeps the actor off the stage. Um, and this actually is in reference to a gentleman called the Sandman who used to host the amateur night at the Apollo in New York City. Beginning in around 1985. Yeah, we'll 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 dive into the Sandman a little bit uh, uh, later into the episode. But basically, today's episode is all about. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say it. Get the hook. Get the, the hook. hook. Give him the hook. So we've seen it. We've seen this happen, like on Bugs Bunny cartoons. Um, it was in the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit. A comedian or vaudeville performers on stage. And from the wings comes a hook and shepherds the performer off stage when they begin to suck, right? Is that the best way to describe it? Well, it's, it's a shepherd's hook, so it, it, it would be, you know, shepherding off stage as well. 
It's like one, you know, like one of those big things that Jesus used to carry around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My favorite <laughs> fictional character used to have that. Yes. Oh, well, we're gonna get letters. Um, um, yeah, but um, Scott. So this is probably about maybe about the seventh time in an episode I'm gonna use this word, but uh, the hook is a comedian trope. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, right. I like so that. It's good. So, uh, Scott, so, so, Scott, what, what, how, how did the hook originate in comedy? I, I mean, oh. there I was just using the voice of the everyman who's oh, the every, every okay. man or woman who listens to our podcast, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, we, 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 we got their curiosity up with well, the Sandman I mean, clip. Okay. Well, here's the weird thing, Harmon. So we do, we got plus and minus here. So we do have... Um, an actual uh, vaudeville theater uh, called the Harry Miners Bowery Theater in New York City, dating back to 1903. Now, this is where we, we've, we've heard the hook in lore come, th- come through, is where the, the use of the hook comes through. But the, mm-hmm. the, the, the bad part about this is that the lore itself was put out by the son of the owner of the theater. But anyway, uh, he wrote a pamphlet about his father using the hook. But anyway, the... Um, the story is that they, there was a shepherd's crook prop from an earlier act that had been left behind the stage, and so um, uh, Harry, Harry, excuse me, Harry Miner would use the the, uh, the crook to start yanking bad performers off the stage. Yeah, not just well, not just bad performers, but it was more in line with an amateur night that that they had at 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 the club, and when everyone started jeering, jeer, boo. He sucks. Get him off stage. Out would come the hook. Yeah. But just just to back up before that, uh, when vaudeville audiences wanted to show their displeasure at a performer on stage, um, they used to throw peanuts at them. Uh, and uh, Scott, do you know do you know that uh, originated into a term that uh, um, often used um, on the Muppet Show? Really? Well, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. It would, no, it no, the say, peanut gallery. The peanut right, gallery. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's because uh, the, the audiences would throw peanuts at the performer. Oh, excellent. Yes. But in the case of Harry Miner's Bowery Theater in New York City, uh, which was located, of course, in the Bowery, it is no more. Uh, performers were given a dollar, which was a lot of money in old timey days. Um, if, if they won, they were competing for big fancy prizes such as such as watches. Does that make sense? Well, that we get a well, dollar I, well, and a watch? I don't, I, don't know if I don't know if there's anything like currently parallel to that, Harmon. Where, hmm, let's see, a big talent show where people audition and then go on in front of people and then get uh, booed off by, ooh, let's say, celebrity judges would be kind of the same thing. Well, I think it's just a classic and it kind of feeds into our human character is that we want to... We want to cheer for the champ, and we want to boo for the. What would be the word for that? It wouldn't be underdog. Am- amateurs, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, the Bowery Theater was kind of a rowdy place. It was a saloon and pool room that was adjoined by a theater, and it had kind of a ruckus energy. And they had to hire policemen to roam the theater. Ready to bust the heads of troublemakers. Well, well like- Harmon, 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I was just going to say, yeah, well, what didn't help was that there was a saloon and a pool room which adjoined the theater. So that allowed to a little, little bit of a rowdy crowd sometimes. Yeah, but we sort of have that to this very day. We have back rooms of uh, any kind of bar you want to imagine in uh, New York City. Yeah. But I think... But I think in the old timey days, uh, they kind of drank more, don't you think? <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would think, yeah, they, they, they would do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just a footnote, like one of the big riots of uh, New York, uh, I think it was called like the Astor Place Shakespeare Riot, where two competing companies of Macbeth caused like a big riot where I think people were actually killed. <laughs> Holy crap, when was this? Um, it was around like the, the late 1800s, but I think there was like religious undertones. Like one was like a Protestant theater company oh, and one was okay, like a yeah. Catholic theater, theater company. But yeah. they were both doing Macbeth. So like Macbeth actually got people killed. Wow. Just like the real Macbeth. <laughs> Just like Macbeth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, yeah, uh, a lot of ties with OCD. Is that OCD? Yeah, uh, cool. yeah. <laughs> like Lady Macbeth. So anyways, uh, the hook, as in give them the hook. Uh, this, this vice widely emulated throughout the country, and it says here has even become an idiom in the English language. Uh, so how it work is a stagehand would stand on the side of the stage with a prop shepherd's crook to a pole and start yanking the most scorned performers boldly from the stage in mid-performance, so said the New York Times. So how did right. that go over? How did that go over? Did the audience like it? Or did, the audience was, like, repulsed by it when the hook came out? No, no, they loved it. They loved the hook, you know. And like you said, um, as we pointed out in the um, pamphlet written by the theater owner's son, he said his father... Uh, used to be the per- actual person with the hook, and that was um, Harry Miner. So they, they, he used to actually do the hook. And I guess the hook got passed on into other stagehands, and Harry was too busy probably busting heads from all the uh, <laughs> the drunken rowdies in the crowd throwing peanuts. But uh, yeah, so it was it was kind of like a standard your standard um, open mic night where the winner would uh, would be you know they judge it uh, the applause meter. You know, the most people who ever made the most noise would be the winner, the crowd. Yeah. So basically, it just sounds like the gong show or the gong show origined out of uh, the, the hook of, of, of this theater. Holy crap, man. Did they use I – mean, I, I had this thing in my head of – they, they might have had that in the gong show. Let me – you keep talking. I'll look. I'll double check. Yeah, but so another crowd favorite thing to do if you were a performer and you saw the hook coming, and you could see this coming into play, was to dodge the hook. You'd be performing, you'd see the yeah, hook coming, it. and you yeah. would like you would just do anything so the hook wouldn't grab you. <laughs> yeah, you'd kind of run around the stage, which we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, but there's some famous people came out of uh, the Bowery Theater of the day, and the most famous was, uh, okay, Scott, are you ready for this? W.C. Fields? Yeah. Yeah, I heard of that guy. No, it says Weber and Fields, so I I don't know if that's W.C. Fields. Let me just see. Uh, So some of the more famous is the Four Coens. Okay, keep going. Let me hear it. I, I don't know what they would. Let's see what they did. Oh, here's here's the four Coens singing Yankee Doodle Dandy. Let's see. 
Okay. <laughs> okay, the four Coens were crooners. Uh, but probably the most famous uh, to come out of these amateur nights where in, uh, apparently he avoided the hook was a 16-year-old from the Lower East Side, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the LES Eddie Cantor. I play horsey down the street with my broom down the street. When somebody moved the street, I put down a go uh, Oh, wow, yeah, I've heard of that guy. Now, I know he's famous, but do you know, uh, I, I know he's like a crooner, and he went on, I guess he, he appeared in movies. What What is your knowledge of Eddie Cantor? Oh, just kind of. Hey, it's, it's not not Al Jolson, but like the other guy, kinda. And he, I believe, I believe he was Jewish as well. Right from Lower East Side. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, so Eddie Canner went on, but sadly, in 1929, the Minor Theater burnt down. Just, but uh, strangely enough, that was it. Was just also around the time that uh, vaudeville ended. Yeah. So maybe it was. It was. It was meant to be. Yeah, so uh, just a footnote. Did you know, like, um, like a, a lot of the vaudeville theaters in New York uh, transitioned into movie theaters because uh, the companies that uh, own, like, I think it was RKO, maybe owned vaudeville theaters. They just simply transitioned into the movie business. So that was oh, okay. the natural progression yeah. of uh, that. Yeah. But let's jump ahead. Like, I think one of the most famous... Well, actually, I would say this is the most famous uh, 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 man with the hook was one Howard Sandman Sims, who we heard uh, being sort of referenced to in in the Chris Rock clip up front. So uh, Howard Sandman Sims, he was a tap dancer. He would uh, put down like sand and kind of like that great sort of, uh, you know, percussion-y sound. uh, um, He would tap dance at the Apollo Theater, but he became the man with the hook for Bad Axe on Amateur Night at the Apollo. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our very own Sandman. <laughs> if you do lose to your act and you do get booed, like I said, you'll see me and this Grand Cane. Yeah, he actually, actually, his story was pretty interesting. I was reading about, like, he actually started out as an amateur boxer. And like mm-hmm. you know, sometimes boxers do that thing where they get into sand and they're trying. Yeah, they're, I guess they're trying to warm up or something. Uh, he started doing that, and the, the crowd would like really liked it when he would do that more than so than his boxing. So he started doing that and adding that into his uh, tap dance routine until he figured out he could like he just made like a shallow box and put sand in it, and that's what would do it to do his soft shoe tap dancing routine. But then the other funny thing I was reading about is that mm-hmm. when you were a tap dancer, like in, he started out in. LA, Sandman Sims started out in LA and then moved to New York before he worked at the Apollo. But like apparently you'd just be walking down the street with your tap dance shoes and if you right. ran into an, another tap dancer, you guys would you'd throw down your shoes and that meant you were gonna have a tap off. Really? Yeah. It was just <laughs> like it was like, you know, kind of a you know, a your mama jokes off or or the dozens. Oh, wow. Because, like, when I first moved to New York back in the early uh, 2010s, um, um, <laughs> like, uh, so I was working in Midtown, and I, like, I think it was, like, on my second day of work, I just walked to the village, and I went into a random bar, and they were having, and this is why I said, I like it here. They were having 
tap dance open mic. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> yeah. So not only there's like a sustaining community of tap dancers here in New York currently, but there's enough to ex- to extend to an amateur night of tap dancing. And so you, and so you just went into a bar at work? Was this like one of those two martini lunches? No, no. This was like after work. Uh, All right. You know, work. yeah, yeah. Happy I just hour. went... Yeah, no, I just went exploring, you know, and this place was right. like, oh, my God, there's tap dance open mic. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but from the 1950s to 2000, uh, Sims was a regular feature at, at, at the Apollo Club uh, up in Harlem. And he would usher failed acts off with a hook, a broom or other props. So um, Chris Rock, obviously, you know, uh, a, a native New Yorker. Uh, I believe he's from Bed-Stuy. Um, in Brooklyn, uh, so you know he grew up, uh, you know, probably, uh, well, not probably, like most likely seeing Sims uh, usher acts off at the Apollo, especially on amateur yeah. night, and they get pretty rowdy there. Yeah, I mean the other thing, it wasn't just, I mean Sims would use wacky props, but he would also dress up in uh, costumes, so he'd wear like come out with long underwear, or a <laughs> clown suit, or even a diaper. So that was kind of the reference that to that Nat X bit when he calls out the Sandman, you know, carrying a broom and dressed as a wacky, overweight Bozo the Clown. Yeah, so again, he was sort of known as the executioner of the Apollo, but uh, backstage, different story. So backstage, he would console defeated contestants and tell them that he had been, he himself had been booed off stage 10 times yeah. before he finally got his act together. So, right, uh yeah. You know, the the executioner was a nice guy. Yeah, he was. He wasn't. He was an executioner, um, a nice executioner. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and he would tell them uh, work on their act and come back and, and to be encouraged to come back again and get hostily booed off stage, <laughs> <laughs> like once again. So, um, in, in more like modern history, uh, he, Sims could be seen. On a 1990 episode of The Cosby Show, Ooh, playing, yeah. I, <laughs> I know, yeah. I know, it's, yeah, <laughs> uh, playing Rudy's tap tap dance yeah. teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Besides um, the hook, uh, let's 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 take another look back at at other devices that that have gotten. Comedy performers off stage. Um, we had an episode here on Comedy History 101, which you can check out on iTunes and subscribe and comment on one William Topez McGonagall. So back before there was a hook, Scott, how, how did they get uh, the worst poet in Scottish history off stage? Well, this is kind of a universal going throughout history, Harmon. And before there was the hook, when people, when audiences wanted to express their displeasure with the performers on stage, they would most likely use some type of rotting vegetable. Uh, I think of the first, the, the first, uh, just because I know this off the top of my head, but the right. first recorded his, in history, it was some, some African emperor, and he was pelted with uh, turnips. Because of food shortages in like the like pre Jesus times, yeah. But um, you know, I guess another uh, and this is probably be the second time I use this word in this podcast. Uh, the second uh, known trope in comedy to get uh, comedians off stage is throwing a rotten tomato at them. 
Well, I think I think I'll have to disagree with you here. I'm gonna cause a little controversy, Harmon. It's it not a trope. Really, no, it's it's not really to get them off the like the hook. When you get the hook, man, you're off stage. Like, there's no arguing the hook. But tomatoes. If somebody throws a tomato at you, you'll just keep going. Well, the the intent is the audience wants you off the stage. Right. Right. Yeah. They don't, they, they don't enjoy you. That's right, and and uh, throwing tomatoes at uh, performers uh, goes back to the Shakespeare's Globe Theater in Elizabethan London. Uh, so the first known tomato being thrown at a performer was around 1752. But that, that's, you might want to reread that, no, because it wasn't. The, the tomatoes are associated with them getting thrown at people in the Globe Theater, but that's not true because tomatoes were kind of unknown in the New World. Um, ah. and to, yes. <laughs> so tomatoes aren't even mentioned in the first English cookbook until 1752, which is about 150 years later after the Globe Theater was active. So, I mean, it seems oh, it like something... it was a scam. Yeah, it was a scam. That's not true because there was no tomatoes there. It was like they were from, you know... Central America and, and South America, and they had no idea what tomatoes were. But the first recorded, I think, um, of, of some, someone in the New World uh, getting a tomato thrown at them was in 1883. Uh, there's a New York Times article uh, about an acrobat named John Ritchie, who, by the way, wasn't that Sid Vicious's real name, John Ritchie? Oh, it could be. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, why, why don't one of our listeners tell us? Okay. Or they <laughs> this, can, is a, this isn't an episode on the Sex Pistols. This is they an episode can tweet on us at, com, at ComHist101. Or they can Instagram us at ComedyHistory101. Right, <laughs> so uh, John Ritchie in 1883, he was an acrobat that was hit with a barrage of tomatoes and rotten eggs by an unpleasant audience in New York. Uh, quote, a large tomato thrown from the gallery struck him square between the eyes, and he fell to the stage floor just as several bad eggs dropped upon his head. Oh, my Tough God. Tough gig. Tough gig. He, he must have been a really bad acrobat. Could you imagine being such a bad acrobat that people want to pelt you with, with old vegetables? Yeah, but, you know, roughly around the same time was when, uh, you know, across the prawn was when the Scottish poet William Topas McGonagall was also being pelted with rotten eggs, peas, and herring. So, again, throwing displeasure, showing displeasure at the performer involved throwing rotten fruit. And just a footnote, tomatoes were often used because tomatoes were very cheap at the time. Ah. And uh, that's from hence, they're also very associated with theatrical acts, you know, thus we have the popular website RottenTomatoes.com. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's why, yeah, so that's where that evolved to is the Rotten Tomatoes of Rotten Tomato throwing days has now become the movie critique site. The movie meta critique site, yeah. I mean, it just, but to, to just to, to throw in that little bit about McGonagall, yeah, but that is where, as you know and I know and our listeners know, and if they don't know, they can listen to our episode about William Topaz McGonagall. He, that it's it's a three-parter. It's a three-parter. Yeah, that, that became part <laughs> of the show was him getting pelted with herrings and fruit. I mean, people were, would look forward to that part of the show. Yeah, so much so that he actually got banned from reading poetry, am I right, Scott? Because there was so much food being thrown at his performances. 
it was basically now, basically what, what kind of what was going on was it was becoming in the city of Dundee in Scotland. It was becoming almost a riot every time he would have a performance. So they they had because people would get really as we mentioned before at the uh, the minor theater, people would get. We are in Scotland, mind you. People people would get a little inebriated before these shows, you know, with their cheap whiskey and bring their cheap tomatoes, uh, bring them to the show. So things would get out of control. Yeah, unlike modern day Scotland, where they got it all control and under all together. No, just kidding. I know. No. Sorry, <laughs> but don't also, send us letters, Scotland. No, no, no. We but also to, there to, a lot. To, to, to touch back on the peanut gallery thing, because um, this yeah. is also in, in the McGonagall thing, is apparently in the old days in Scotland, if you went into a bar and they'd have you like your little finger foods, they they would have mm-hmm. uh, peas, like peas on the pod would be on the on the bar shelf, and that's what you would. Uh, that's like Enunami? Yeah, it would be like that. Yeah, like it was like hipster Enunami. Oh, like yeah. did they order it on a, on a on a clipboard? On a clipboard with, oh, yeah. with mashed avocados. Yeah, and it was a uh, artesian piece. Artesian mashed avocados. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and again, I think where where does the hook stand in modern uh, in our modern lexicon? So, again, we've seen it in Who's Frame, Roger Rabbit. Uh, we've seen it on Saturday Night Live. We've seen it in, you know, Bugs Bunny cartoons. What, what, what's the grand takeaway of, of, of the hook? Or what do you think is the modern day hook in comedy clubs? Um, ah. Uh, man, okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, modern day would be kind of um, like when you're, if you're doing a TV sitcom or something, a TV show. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you just cut to the technical difficulties. We'll be right back. Card. That's kind of like the uh, the modern day hook. <laughs> That's yeah. when do you see that outside of like <laughs> like SCTV? <laughs> oh, it's on. It's been on The Simpsons. It's been on a few different. Oh, shows. okay, you're yeah. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like when they just cut to the card. We're having difficulties. Be right back. <laughs> but I think in the live stage performances, like uh, you get the, you get the red light. Actually, actually. Right no, let me. I can. I, I can identify this with another podcast that we did about Tune On, the uh, Turn On, the worst oh, yeah. TV show in American. The, the episode that only they only showed one episode. And it was yanked halfway through, but that was the one where. In well, they only showed a half of an episode. They only showed, <laughs> and they and they gave them the hook. They, yeah. they put on the the organ player. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. I think it's sometimes. Yeah, you got in comedy clubs, you get played off. Yeah, you know if they have like yeah. a piano player i know in the storytelling thing they have you know they play you off if you go over your time but yeah. uh yeah so again um you know a iconic comedy trope the hook and with that i think it's time to plug away scott what do you have to plug well, Harmon, uh, as I've been plugging away for the past few months, uh, we have a new movie that I wrote and directed and Harmon produced called Everything You Ever Want to Know About Sudden Birth But We're Afraid to Ask, which is still on the festival circuit. Uh, it was just most recently at the AFI Documentary Film Festival in Silver Springs, Maryland. That was this weekend. I believe it's around this whole week. We'll mm-hmm. be at the Free Range Film Festival. We're showing in a tent. 
I know in a barn, in a big barn in, in Minnesota. Minnesota. Somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And then um, in Don't forget uh, the July, roof. Don't forget the and, roof. And July and July, <laughs> yep, we'll be at Rooftop Films, I believe. Uh, the date on that is the twenty sixth in Brooklyn somewhere, but you can find all the details on my website, scottclonico.com slash sudden birth. Nice. And for me, you can check out all my recent stories at theobserver.com. And coming July 10th through 14th, I'll be producing a five-day storytelling festival at the Crane Theater in the Lower East Side of New York. And you can come out and see the best storytelling shows New York City has to offer. And with that, that wraps up another episode of Comedy History 101. Where we school you in comedy. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101. Yes, ma'am, I read you loud and clear. Yes, ma'am, this is... Yes, ma'am, this is... This is the present. Hey, everyone, Scott here. You just finished our Comedy History 101 podcast. So you like comedy and history. Then you should try out our other podcast, This is the President. In every episode, I dig up some found audio from one of our presidents and play it for Harmon, who's never heard it before. Then we talk about it. From Truman to Trump, we cover all your favorite presidents and not-so-favorite ones. You can also hear Harmon sounding off about current events and the state of America today. And, if you're lucky, you might be able to catch us reading customer reviews of Trump products on Amazon. You can subscribe to This is the President on iTunes, Google Play, Last.fm, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Just search for This is the President, subscribe, and together we'll make America great again. <laughs>